0: Hello, and welcome to a very special episode here on The Real OTs of Early Intervention. Hi, my name is Danielle DiLorenzo from Mornings with an OT Mom. Today, I will be doing our first solo podcast in celebration of completing my doctorate degree and wanting to disseminate the information within my capstone project on this podcast. I am so excited to share with you what I've been working on over the past couple of years and how it can be integrated into your early intervention sessions to support mindfulness and movement from the very beginning. When I decided to get my doctorate degree, I did so because I knew that I wanted to facilitate a level of learning that was connected to the most evidence-based research and some of the reoccurring themes that I've seen as a pediatric occupational therapist within the early intervention and school-based system. My capstone project is about mindfulness and movement in the early years and its connectedness to academic performance and emotional regularity across a lifespan this specific capstone project has been something that I have wanted to work on or have been working on throughout my entire career as an occupational therapist and as an early interventionist. I can remember so often these little babies having such difficulties expressing themselves and moving and Figuring out where their bodies were in space. And the minute that I just started to focus on what the babies were telling me they needed and supporting these movement and mindfulness components from the very beginning, I started to see beautiful foundational skills developing that was just supporting their lifelong development, their in the moment developmental progression of all skills. And really just supported whatever they needed along the way with this foundation of mindfulness and movement. When we think about why, what what is the purpose? What was my purpose for doing this? Well, what I wanted to do was empower and educate anyone who would listen to me. And this is critical information that early intervention and educational systems should have access to in order to start creating and embedding mindfulness and movement programs from the beginning. Our healthcare system is one that is reactive rather than preventative and proactive. We all know that when supports are in place, Early and to what the child and family need, that they are then given opportunities to learn and grow and develop. However, that is not always the case because we know that there are high wait lists for therapies, lack of access to service, and so many barriers that can really impact a child's educational journey across a lifespan. And as early interventionists, even though I hate the word intervention, and I really just like early support provider, (laughs) because you know, our kids, they don't need interventions. They need supports. They need individualized supports to help provide those supports in areas where kiddos just need something different, a different way to approach a task that isn't a way that will work for them. I always recommend the Williams and Schellenberger I will link it in the show notes. It is the central nervous system pyramid of learning. I wish every single teacher, every single administrator, educator, anybody within the education or healthcare system would be able to have access to this at all times. In fact, we should just put it on the wall everywhere where we go, because we see that at the very bottom, it's tactile, vestibular, and proprioception. And we know those are the key systems that we work with that really support foundational skills necessary for learning such as postural control, bilateral integration, coordination, more precise fine motor movements, regulation of all of our sensory systems working together, reflex maturity, ocular motor control, all of these things, daily living skills, everything. And then all the way at the very, very top is academic learning. Our kids are going into school not ready for the unrealistic expectations that the educational system has put forth for them. But as early interventionists, we have this amazing opportunity to be with the family, to really provide the family with information that they can use across a lifespan. I would be over the moon if i was in an iep and i had a parent say to me you know my early intervention therapist said that mindfulness and movement should be embedded into all educational programs especially for early childhood do y'all have anything like that and i'm happy to report that i can always say yes because that's great because i'm always embedding this stuff into my sessions but how empowering is that because see again We need to be mindful of our role as an early intervention therapist, that we are coming into the home. We are one of the first people during a time where parents need the best information that they can have access to, that is gonna support them in whatever way that they need. It is always about the parent and the family and the child and what is best for them. So now we have this amazing opportunity to share this information within our sessions and embed it so heavily that when we say goodbye at age three and they enter the school system, you're not only providing that baby that you've worked with into, that's evolved into a toddler, into a, into a preschooler, those foundational skills through movement and mindfulness that are gonna support them during their academic journey. You've also provided the supports to the parent to help advocate for their child and their best needs across their educational lifespan. I am raising a disabled child. And my goal is to embed his life with movement and mindfulness and to ensure that wherever he is going to school, we'll also have these same strategies I have this unique role, this dual role as a parent and a professional. And I felt that this was the perfect place to disseminate the information because this is who I need for this information to be heard by the early intervention practitioners that are in there all over the world. Just imagine it talking about mindfulness and movement and its importance. And again, I can sit here and I can talk to you all day about it, but not only is it something that I feel is important, it's something that the research shows is absolutely, absolutely a connection between mindfulness and movement and supporting academic success and self-regulation. Some of the themes that I saw related to movement throughout the research was when retained reflexes were present that that could impact academic success and why we know this is that intact motor development through fine and gross motor development is necessary for academic success therefore when retained reflexes are present it can impact a child's ability to be reaching their full potential and being able to learn in a way that is more fluid and cohesive to their brain. So when we now embed movement into their day and pair this movement with specific learning objectives, we now start to see new connections being made, retained reflexes becoming integrated. And then that supports better attainment of academic goals. The research also showed that movement and cognitive development have been this continuous interest like throughout time ex- examining the relationship between fine motor skills, intelligence and connections to academic achievement across a lifespan. Another theme that was found within the literature was a connection from was a connection to movement and cognition and academic achievement we know that when the brain is creating feedback loops from experienced motor sequences, that that is strengthening cognitive motor connections. So again, showing that when movement is paired with specific learning objectives, that it can help strengthen these feedback loops that are also just supporting cognitive connections. Another theme, is the exploration of motor experiences versus natural developmental progression. We had a lot of fun doing a podcast about this, a myth-busting podcast, because as early intervention practitioners, we hear a lot of the times, oh, all you do is play all day. Aren't they just going to develop naturally? Well, yes. Yes, of course. Of course they will. However- When opportunities are enhanced with motor play, they support stronger and developmentally appropriate spatial cognition and acquisition of language skills that may not necessarily have occurred through the organic process of development. Furthermore, the research showed that when environments are enriched with motor opportunities and again intertwined with those specific learning objectives, that that is gonna support and enhance learning opportunities, and that will then in turn support better academic achievement. I also found a reoccurring theme that when students participated in physical activity, there was a decrease in inattentiveness and hyperactivity and more of a connection to the learning lessons. This research showed that when individuals were engaging in specific movement activities, That it did show a correlation to better academic achievement. However, one of the limitations is specifically picking what movement activities are going to be the most beneficial for each student to support their own self-regulation. And that's where an occupational therapist comes in. This information that is being presented is also meant to show the benefits of what An occupational therapist can support with an early intervention in a school-based practice. We have this unique perspective of how movement and the body and it's all correlates to better learning outcomes. So again, this is where an occupational therapist can fill that gaps in both of the settings so that they can better support and individualize movement activities and teach teachers how to further integrate their classes with individualized movement experiences that will support self-regulation and academic success. And this is one of the most fun things to do with our babies, showing them how to move their bodies in space and using movement to encourage imitation and, you know, reciprocal fluid coordinated movements, so many things. So again, the literature is abundantly clear that there is a connection to movement and academic success. And when we start in the earlier years, we're giving everybody's body and brain the ability to really, truly figure out what they need to move through life and get the supports necessary so they can reach their maximum educational potential and be able to self-regulate and navigate those social-emotional interactions across a lifespan, which leads me into the research behind mindfulness The best way to capture moments is to pay attention. This is how we cultivate mindfulness. And I know what you're thinking. How do you teach mindfulness to little babies? I have a ton of posts on that on mornings. And I talk about it a little bit throughout the real OTs, it's, it's, you'll notice they're mostly embedded in my posts that I create because it's, it's a part of me. It's a part of who I am, who I practice as a, as an occupational therapist, because I have not only as a professional, but as a parent instilled mindfulness techniques from birth and just through modeling breathing and being aware of your surroundings and and staying present in the moment. And this mindfulness is the key to working on so many foundational skills needed for self-regulation. You're empowering babies and parents to be able to look at emotions from an entirely different perspective. I think that's why I was so excited when I was presented with this opportunity to write a book, which y'all hear more about in a couple of weeks, but it was all about navigating motherhood and utilizing a conscious co-regulatory approach to do that. And when we embed these mindfulness techniques within the earlier stages of life, specifically in, an earl- in, the, in the beginning moments for parents- you're providing this beautiful foundation for emotional enrichment, nourishment of the soul in a way that will truly support the parent child dyad and self regulation ability of both parents and their child. So, again, We also know that mindfulness improves working memory. It increases sustained and joint attention. It can decrease stress, depression, and anxiety. I know what you're thinking. Baby can't feel all that. They sure can. I know. My postgraduate studies are in infant mental health. It was heavily embedded into my early intervention practice. We... Know that babies are resilient, but babies also need so much love and nourishment and guidance and co regulation support. And that's why mindfulness is such an amazing foundational tool for parents. It can really help shift those intense or frustrating moments into those that can just be one of co-regulation and supporting. It doesn't happen overnight, but with consistency and simplicity and breaking down tasks as OTs often can, often do. We task analyze everything. So we as early interventionists can help our parents be able to task analyze where that breakdown is that, that, that they can't be able to self-regulate. What's What do they need to fill their cup? So then they can be their anchor for their child in the sea of emotions that they're experiencing. So again, we're seeing all of these connected themes of mindfulness and movement. And then overall, we know that the improvement of positive well-being will naturally occur when mindfulness is just embedded, supporting just cognition, emotional regularity, physiological balance, psychological functioning, regulation, everything all comes together in more clarity and calmness. And it starts with very simple breath work, staying present in the moment, and really trying to just focus on embedding as many single moments and seconds that you can of mindfulness throughout the day and showing parents that they can do that too. Modeling it for them in their sessions, in these sessions that you are empowering them with these tools. We'll never know if they're going to take the tools and use them, but we can do our best to share with them what the evidence is overwhelmingly screaming to us. Let's shift our therapeutic and parenting styles towards one of a conscious co-regulation balance, enriched with many communicative opportunities, sensory, motor, Enriched opportunities that just support development and just nourishes the relationship of the parent and child. So in conclusion, I hope that you will take away the importance of mindfulness and movement today and seek out additional ways to truly start to live a life embedded with mindfulness and movement. It will then make the transition of embedding these concepts within your sessions feel so naturalistic and it will be the most amazing model to empower and educate the parents that we work with. As well as providing these foundational tools for self regulation right from the beginning. I will leave you with one breathing exercise. And it is one that you can teach your parents if they are feeling overwhelmed, anxious, or stressed out. It's called the 478 breath. You take a deep breath in for four seconds. You hold it for seven. And you do a long exhale for eight. And you can repeat that three times. This helps to support self-regulation, being present in the moment, filling your cup a little bit to get grounded during those frustrating moments of parenting or during intense moments, during therapy sessions. I really hope that you enjoyed this special episode. I thank you so much for listening to the research that has I have poured my heart into for years. If you want to learn more about embedding mindfulness and movement into your practice, make sure to follow at mindfulness in motion on Instagram. Stay tuned. Next week, we will be back to our regularly scheduled podcasting. We are so excited to bring you so much good stuff that is coming your way. Please let us know your thoughts on this special podcast episode. And also, if getting PDUs via a podcast is something that interests you, we would love to know your thoughts. You can reach us at our website, therealots.com or on Instagram at therealots of EI.